Hello, hello again, spooky people, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is, is my spooky, spooky gay family. Hello, Sam. Hello, Pissy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It has been quite an eventful week for me. (laughs) (laughs) I've had had a lot of shit going on. I've been working on a lot of stuff. You know, I'm finally back really mostly into the swing of my my schedule. And Mm -hmm. Pride is getting... It is officially pride month happy pride everybody happy yes, pride. Happy pride. it is our happy happy pride month <laughs> <laughs> happy happy pride month happy happy pride um and we're already loopy from glitter girl i have been i am done i am done we have been recording for hours <laughs> literally hours because we have we do have a very special episode for you guys tonight we have some guests joining us from a rather unexpected place, but we'll we'll get into all that in in just a little bit. Before we do, uh, how was your week, Sam? It was fine. Um, I'm getting ready for my college friends to come over this weekend, so it's mostly cleaning and doing the lawn. I mean, that's very exciting. It is exciting. I haven't seen them in person in, I think, a year and a half. I mean... I, I would take that. I do. Do you have That's a lot of friends? That's not true. We went. We went apple picking with masks on. So it's oh. been. I'm kind of mad that I didn't get to it's go. It's been like six or eight months. I have been begging David to go apple picking for years. Why doesn't begging. he want to go? Be- I'll tell you exactly why. I took him and Bob to a farm. Mm-hmm. Not last year. The year before. Because yeah. I was like, this year we are going apple p- picking. We are going pumpkin picking. We're going to come back with a bushel of apples. I'm going to make an apple pie. And uh, we're going to get pumpkins. And he and I finally, like after years of trying to convince him, convinced him to go. And I drove all of us down there. It was before we were going to go to a haunted house. I want to say we were Mm -hmm. going to a haunted house that night and we were meeting everyone at the haunted house. But before we went, I was like, we're going to go apple picking. So I drove Bob and David down to one of my favorite farms. It's called Salisbury Farms. It's in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, right on the border of it's in like um, Bucks County. Okay, you know what I mean? Like right near New Hope, that area. Yeah. And. I get there, we get out of the car, we go, and I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I went into the store, I got apple butter, and I got apple cider, and I got all this shit, and I was like, literally having the time of my life. And then we go outside, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this stuff in the car, and then we're going to go apple picking. And David was like, what? I was like, we're going to go apple picking. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, what do you mean, what do I mean? We're going to do the fucking thing we came here to do. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, I thought that's what we 
did. I thought we just went into the store and got it. And I was like, no, we go and pick the apples. And he was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like, we drove all the way here. I did not come here to go shopping at a farm. And then Bob was like, yeah, I don't really want to do it either. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so I'm eating, I got like apple cider donuts and, and all this shit. And I, and I was like, you're really going to tell me that you don't want to go apple picking after we drove all the way here? And they were like, yeah, I, really, I don't really want to go. And I was like, so help me God, I'm going to strangle you with a donut. Like you are going to, I'm going to kill you with a pumpkin. And we never went, we never went apple picking. So this year... I'm going apple picking okay. with or without my husband and our brother. <laughs> this year, I will invite you to come with me and Sarah because we go every year. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. And I'm going to pick the apples myself. Yes. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with them because I don't eat that shit anymore. But I'm, I'm going to pick them. <laughs> it's so depressing. I'm like, my diet has changed so drastically that I'm like, oh, my God, I can't eat like apple pie really anymore i'm sure that like on a cheat day i could but it's like oh it's just killing me i'm i'm really scared of this fall because the things that i love about the fall i can't really do anymore like there's no i'm calling out starbucks i'm i'm going to say right now starbucks needs to come out with a low sugar low carbohydrate uh pumpkin spice frappuccino because that is my fall drink and i want it <laughs> desperately like i don't even care about the fucking uh whatchamacallit i don't care about the calories i just care about the fact that it's like it will spike my blood sugar you know what i mean yeah do you have a fall drink i do um i actually drink the regular psl I do the the pumpkin spice latte. I like it hot personally, but I like it it's hot. not bad iced. It's good when it's hot when it gets cold out. But when yeah. the when the pumpkin spice stuff starts coming out, it's like usually like early September and it's still basically <laughs> summer. So I'm like, I cannot drink a hot drink right now. <laughs> no, but the iced version isn't bad. I enjoy the iced version as well. I mean, I like I like the iced version. It is actually, if I'm being honest, my favorite. I'm really more of a cold drink person than a hot drink person anyway. Like, I love the chestnut praline frappuccino mm-hmm. at Starbucks. It's one of my favorite drinks. And it, like... I'm so mad because since I've started eating better, I've started like looking to my favorite like restaurants and shops and things and being like, okay, what, what can I have here? Because I've come to terms with the fact that things I like are not really an option, but I'm like, well, what can I have? And the answer is like a smart water. (laughs) Like I I really can't, I can't get a lot of the shit I want. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to kill me. I'm going to have to find a way to make all my favorite drinks at home for like zero sugar and low carb. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to kill myself. I hate hate making my own (laughs) drinks. I want to be able to just go to Starbucks and have them fucking make it. Cause I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. And also pumpkin is like really high on the hype, the, uh, glycemic index. Is it really? Yeah. It's a lot of sugar. That sucks. I know. It's like, can you give me one fucking thing? Like, (laughs) one thing I like. Can you just let me have it? Um, So I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I might try making 
more of a Starbucks pumpkin spice frappuccino on my own this year, which is to say that like that basically means it's not going to have any pumpkin in it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know if you knew this, but um, the Starbucks pumpkin spice frappuccino and pumpkin spice latte does not have any pumpkin in it. Does it really? None. As far as I know, I, from what I have heard, it is, it is completely void of pumpkin. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, it's really, pumpkin spice is really like pumpkin pie spice. It's it's, it's it's all spice and nutmeg and cinnamon and crap. Which means that from here on out, mine is going to probably be coffee. Although apparently caffeine spikes your blood sugar too, which I did not know. Um, So I'm going to have to (laughs) switch to decaf coffee. What? <laughs> I I don't advocate for guns. <laughs> but in this moment, <laughs> I'm glad previous me didn't. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to switch to decaf coffee. And uh, I'm going to have to use like just a shit ton of pump, like sugar free coffee mate, pumpkin spice coffee mate. Mm-hmm. And just make myself like a DIY pumpkin spice frappuccino, I think. I mean, I guess that that's really all that's left for you to do. I mean, what do I have left? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Kids, if I can give you one piece of advice, don't get diabetes. It's, it's really not fun. Um, not that mine could have been avoided, but you know what I'm saying. And speaking of, that actually has been part of my eventful week this week. That's true. Um, I started on my pump this week. I started on my insulin pump. Uh, It was (laughs) several months and several thousand dollars in the making. (laughs) It was kind of insane. I was on the phone with dad trying to explain to him. And, you know, I I really shouldn't say things like this because I I don't know if it's going to come off as tacky or, or inappropriate. But I think it's important to say things like this because I don't think people realize it. When I got this pump, I already spend hundreds of dollars a month on diabetes supplies and for the pump itself even with good insurance david and i have good insurance even with that insurance my co-insurance payment for this pump was over three thousand dollars that's insane and it's something that it's the reason i get so frustrated when when people I, i i don't understand how people have been brainwashed by the insurance industry to think that it is good because I'm like, the insurance industry is garbage. The fact that I had to pay $3,000 for a machine that is necessary for my survival is like, and and they'll be like, oh, well, it's an option. It's an option for your survival because you could do manual injections, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but I don't get the control with manual injections that I get from the pump. It's the reason I switched. Yeah. And it's like, why should I not be getting the best care just because you don't want to pay for it, even though you convinced everyone that you were necessary to the the way this country works? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It makes me so furious, and I hate it. But, you know, I'm lucky that I've, I've been successful enough that I was able to p- make that payment. But I was saying to Dad, like... What do you, what would someone who was less fortunate than me do, especially coming out of COVID? You know what I mean? There are so many people right now who don't have that, that cushion. And, you know, 
what would they do? What What about someone who was diagnosed in 2020? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they and they might have lost their job. They might not have a lot of savings. They might have an exorbitant uh, lease or or mortgage payment. You know, and and that might not be an option. So they're not getting the best care because insurance companies are thieves. And I will say that every every chance I get, insurance companies are garbage. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I really feel that I hate them, <laughs> <laughs> but I I do really enjoy the pump. It is weird. Um, because it's like, I find, I anticipated that the pump would be weird because obviously there's like a little cannula. It's like a little, I I called it a catheter, but it's not, it's called a cannula. It's a little itty bitty skinny plastic tube that is under my skin all Mm -hmm. the time that delivers insulin into the fatty tissue of wherever I put it. For me, that is my butt. Um, (laughs) So it feels like I have a sticker on my butt all the time. Although I do forget that it's there. I do, you know, I don't think about it all the time. Um, But it's really funny because there are like little things that you don't really consider Mm -hmm. when you're doing something like that. Because it's like, obviously, the pump is attached to me via a, a little, a skinny little tube. And it's about two feet long. And so I tend to keep it either clipped on my waistband or I keep it clipped or not clipped, just like hanging in my pocket whenever. Mm And it's like, when I go to, like, sit down on the toilet, mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. think about the fact that, like, oh, this thing is attached to my pants. So when I, like, pull my pants down, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just yanked on my ass. Um, and so I've done that once or twice. It was a bit jarring, but I've gotten used to it. It's, I definitely need longer tubing because it comes in two feet, three feet, and I think four feet, which is, like... Three and four feet sounded so excessive to me. I was like, who would ever need this? And now that I have the two foot one, I'm like, I definitely need at least three feet. <laughs> um, Because you would be surprised how easily, how easy it is to, um, like, how you take for granted how much space it needs to move around. <laughs> And I've also gotten it caught on shit, like the the tubing. Uh, I, earlier today, I was cooking in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize the tube was like slightly sticking out of my pocket. And you know the Murphy's yeah. Law of like, if I wanted to lasso one of my drawers from 10 feet away, I fucking couldn't. <laughs> but not looking, I can catch it with the tube of my insulin pump and, and open drawers and, and refrigerators and doors. So... Um, <laughs> It has been quite a uh, a learning. There has been a learning curve for me in the last twenty four hours. I started it yesterday, um, which is crazy. But I am happy with it. It's doing a lot of really good for me, and I feel good on it. Good. So uh, that is my experience with an insulin pump. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it has been. It has been quite rewarding. Uh, I'm still not sure that my my insulin levels in the pump are quite right but that's something i'm going to be working out with my doctor over the next uh over the next week or so i think um so we'll see i have a i have a doctor's appointment next week so i'll be i'll i will let you all know exactly what's going on <laughs> with my insulin pump but that is not why we're here today no it is not it is not why we're here today we are here today because um we uh, we, I, I can't really say how, but we came into contact with a really amazing, um, 
manager <laughs> of of someone who is uh, an author and they said that they have several uh clients who are currently being published in a uh queer anthology. horror anthology a queer sh- uh, anthology of of horror shorts and since it is pride month and and we wanted to um participate in this we thought it would be fun to give a little shout out to some new queer fiction that is out now it is currently available on amazon it is called unburied a collection of queer dark fiction and it is uh, a really interesting book sam and i were both sent um readers yeah <laughs> i guess is what you call it. advanced copies of the book to read and and we got to interview two of the authors today and so we are going to share with you our interviews with two of the authors from this book sam how did you like the book i enjoyed it mm-hmm. um it's a very eclectic. it's a very eclectic mix <laughs> um there, I, I mean, it's one of those things, especially when you're dealing with short stories, like not everything is going to be to everyone's taste. Yeah. And there were definitely but, stories in this book that did not appeal to me. Um, and and that's not to say they were bad. They just were not really my cup of tea. Uh, but, but there's a lot, you know, that's the beauty yeah, of the book. Yeah, there's so many options that... Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many stories... I mean, there's at least... Something like 10 or 15, so 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 stories in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to interview two of the authors and and obviously read their stories. But I will say one author who I did not get to interview, but whose story I did enjoy, mm-hmm. was the first story in the book uh, the author is mc saint john mm-hmm. um and their story was sweet dreams and it's a supernatural horror story and i really loved that story i thought it was well written um i i wouldn't call it groundbreaking in any way but it was fun no, but it was executed really well it was executed really, really well it was well written it was a fun story i enjoyed it um and and there are so many stories like that in here you know you have supernatural horror you have psychological horror you have sci-fi even which we actually get to touch on Mm -hmm. today we have kind of almost like a fantasy element in the book in some stories you know so um it's uh, all varying levels of paranormal stories and and other kinds of horror you know there are like cult stories and all kinds of shit in here um the book is being published by Dark Ink Books, and it was edited by Rebecca Rowland. Um, so props to them. You can check them out uh, at darkinkbooks.com. And Unburied is available now on Amazon. I'm assuming you can probably get a copy on uh, Dark Ink Books, but I'm not positive. I don't know. I can't make a promise about that. But you can definitely take a look at darkinkbooks.com. And at the very worst, I'm sure it'll just forward you to Amazon to buy the book. Yeah. But I would say if you're looking for a fun, easy read that is horror stories that are queer centric, that Mm -hmm. center on queer characters and queer... I, I actually would hesitate to say queer stories. But definitely queer characters and mm-hmm. and these are queer driven stories um 
I will say that's something I like about most of the stories in this book. I can't say all, but most of the stories are just horror stories that involve queer people rather than things that are specifically the horror is related to their queerness. Yeah. um, Sexuality and gender identity are sort of incidental to most of most of the protagonists. Most of the protagonists. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are one or two stories where, yeah, no, it's it's a bit more about being gay yeah it's a bit bit more prevalent there are some stories that are not even like like one of the stories we read tonight really did not it did not drive hard the the sexual identity of the main character even no um and but i liked that i it was it was clear that it was a queer character i think especially knowing the book it was in Mm -hmm. but it was not it was not the driving force of the story and you're going to hear all about that in our interview today and speaking of why don't we jump right into that interview um our first interview was with a really 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 cool author um we got to interview her obviously through this this little arrangement we had but it turned out that she just was a, a really really fun person to chat with yeah she was really sweet and and funny and had a great sense of humor and is a pagan (laughs) and i was like sold i am sold 100 (laughs) percent. so our first interview is going to be with a really really wonderful author who we had a great time chatting with her name is sarah lynn eaton and she is the author of the short when the dust settles so enjoy Hello, hello again, kids, and welcome back. We are here chatting with one of my new favorite people after a very short conversation. <laughs> we are chatting with queer pagan writer uh, and uh, an author who is currently being uh, published in a brand new collection entitled Buried, a, a collection of Unburied. queer... What was it? Unburied. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Unburied. Unburied. <laughs> Listen, I, I I promise I have a degree and I can read. I promise. She is being uh she is being featured in a brand new collection entitled Unburied, a collection of queer dark fiction. And this is uh our interview with Sarah Lynn Eaton, author of When the Dust Settles. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Casilla Sam. It's wonderful to be here tonight. It's wonderful to have you. Do you prefer Sarah or Sarah Lynn? I answer to both. I don't have a preference. Beautiful. Well, I will call you both interchangeably and I will expect you to respond (laughs) accordingly. (laughs) How's your day going? Excellent so far. I'm very excited to hear And I'm a night owl, so it really is so far. It really is, truly, because we are recording this. Where are you in the world? I'm in Binghamton, New York. Oh, Oh, so you're not actually too far from us. No. Oh, good for you. So we're in the same time zone. It is actually getting dark out. (laughs) And you actually know that I don't live near New York City. 
I, I do. You don't live anywhere near New York City. You are actually closer to Vermont than you are to New Correct. York City. And you know what? I got to be honest. I have this conversation at my shows all the time in New York City. People in New York City love to shit on everybody who doesn't live in New York City. And of course, it's all kind of a big joke. But I'm always like, I'm like, you know what? You can, you can fucking suck the fart out of my ass because... <laughs> You like to brag. I was like, everything smells like pee. Everything, everyone is bothering you all the time. People are bumping into you. There's no space. There's nothing. I was like, I pay the same amount in rent for an apartment in New Jersey that for a, a to live in a luxury apartment building that you pay to live in a fucking shoebox. And I was mm-hmm. like, and you know, and they always say they're like, New Jersey is so smelly. It's so gross. I'm like, you know which parts of New Jersey smell? The parts near New York City. That's the only parts. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get on a tangent. <laughs> but um but I'm very excited that you're joining you're joining us from Binghamton. Uh you are a queer pagan writer and uh I love that about you. I love let, first of all, let's start with queer. Happy Pride. <laughs> Happy Pride. It is officially as of yesterday the the beginning of Pride month and we are very very excited. How's your pride going? Yeah. Excellent. I have been out of the closet since 1997, 1998. I was in college. Really? Okay. Yeah. How exciting. Was What was your coming out experience like? Was it as joyful as I hope it was? It was better than any of my friends in college who were all disowned by their families before really? I came out to mine. And um, and I'm from a small, a small working class factory town. And I was really nervous, but I love, I had really good parents. But you still don't know back in 1997 how they're yeah. going to take it. And it's funny because when I told them, I had this moment where I was like, if I don't catch them before Jeopardy, I'm going to lose them for the night. <laughs> I was so nervous because all my friends had been disowned. And I was like, this is going to be the last pleasant memory I have with my family. You know, it was mm. it was still that scary. And uh, my mom said when I told them finally, I think I was sobbing, you know, I'm gay. And my mom said, oh, thank God. We thought you were going to tell us you were flunking out of college. So I'm like, okay, so that's worse than being gay. That's good. And my dad, my dad came out and I wasn't expecting him to say that as far as I know, it's not a choice. And then he had to do the dad thing where he tried to be humorous. And he was like, so I've loved you for 21 years. And I guess you got another 21 before I stopped. and i just sat there kind of stunned and i was like oh okay and then i went back to college and we celebrated my parents because i was the (laughs) only one in our in our gay group it was through the health center it was actually called students in sexual identity crisis um because that's still where we were with being gay (laughs) and i told everybody we celebrated my my family so i do have a happy story I'm, I'm I love that. I'm yeah, yeah, that's I that is like the best possible answer to that to that know, question. Right? Um are are you an only child? I uh, no, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Are you close with them? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I, we are we are terribly terribly unclose with our family. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> is that even a word? Unclose. I don't. I don't. Distant. Yeah, it is now. It is now. It is now. It's <laughs> my word. Yeah. Uh, stop the presses. We are terribly. I make up words all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't show in your writing. Your writing was magnificent. <laughs> that was edited. That was heavily edited. <laughs> my first drafts, I make up things all the time because it's easier than like stopping for 10 minutes to try to find the right word i'll just make one up and highlight it so i know don't use that one but find the right one (laughs) that's kind of brilliant i kind of love that that's the kind i I wish that i had that kind of process and you know what i think i have a similar one except mine is done entirely verbally where it's like i'll just say something and then if it's wrong i'll go back and be like well that was stupid And and i'll just i'll just like breeze over it and make it something else um That is actually a great segue into the topic today. We are going to be discussing uh, your story, When the Dust Settles, which I really enjoyed reading. Sam and I got uh, advanced copies of the book, and we really loved getting to read everyone's stories, but we we specifically requested you for a couple of reasons. The the first of which was, uh, and that is a very appropriate word, that you were pagan. First of which, nice, beautiful. (laughs) And the... absolutely uh, on par other reason the similarly poised was that uh, we really enjoyed the story and it was so different from everything else that was in the book and this book does have a really great um kind of assemblage of, of yeah, it's stories very eclectic it's very oh, it really eclectic and we loved that yours kind of towed this amazing line between body horror and psychological horror and also science fiction. So Thank you. Um, I'm curious to know, how did this story come to be? Um, all of my stories always start with some kind of a seed moment in my head that then expands itself. And I really like science fiction. Um, and I was thinking, I was think I was thinking about aliens and I wanted something like I like the uh, the the tone of a, the gritty tone of Alien, mm. and I wanted something like that, but where the story was still character driven and centered on what was happening to the characters, but it just also happened to be in space somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely try to write queer characters, mm-hmm. um, and I like that I always put it uh, queer people living their lives. And then something amazingly science fiction-y and fantastical happens that alters their trajectory, like in all of the movies and stories I grew up reading mm-hmm. and watching. But I wanted I wanted to write a story where it was like an alien kind of a feel, um, just without the creature feature, but that other queer kids could read and identify with the protagonist in a way that I didn't have when I was younger. I I really love that you said that because something Sam and I talked a lot about when we were uh, discussing how to go about producing this episode was that we were really drawn to the, the stories in this book, including yours, that the homosexuality or the queerness of, of whatever kind in the story was not the catalyst for the story. We really enjoyed that uh, in stories like yours, this is this is clearly a queer woman who is just having this other experience. And it's like, oh, we've we've finally gotten to this point in queer n- narrative where 
we can have other stories that aren't Brokeback Mountain <laughs> yes. or But I'm a Cheerleader. We can have yes. these stories that, that are not, our lives are not entirely motivated by our sexuality. And we did. We needed those stories first mm-hmm. so that other people, you know, who maybe did not understand uh, queerness, gayness, could be like, okay, okay, all right. It's everywhere now, I guess. We're going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> so, <I take> it. <laughs> um, so that now there is there's now a collection of, of queer horror fiction where all the characters are gay and that is not the main point or even integral to the story at all. Um, and I love that. Exactly. And I would actually argue it, it is it is so subtle in your story that I think if 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 i hadn't known to be looking for it i might have like i might have just read it and not even thought about it because i uh, it, it i i think i'm biased because i am a, a gay person so I, in reading it i kind of got to this point where i was like yeah and and clearly she has this connection with uh gwen the main character tara uh do you do you actually would you like to give a, a short kind of non-spoiler summary of your story so people know what i'm talking about <laughs> i know i actually jotted one down earlier because i'm so worried that i'm gonna give things away all the time <laughs> you know like there are 17 versions of that story in my head yeah okay. so i'm always like what's a spoiler um yeah it's about a uh, when the dust settles is about a group of miners that work on an asteroid in space that are recovering from a collapse in the mine on a Medhab spaceship. And uh, Tara, the protagonist, starts to suspect that something is not quite right with the treatment they're being given because they start to die off. Mm-hmm. And Tara is a really compelling character. Um, she reminds me a little... like. I imagined in my brain she was either a Sigourney Weaver or a Gwendolyn Christie. I was like, it's it's mm, one of yes. the two. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know who would play her in the in the I sci-fi original series. <laughs> 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 but those were kind of the images that popped into my head. Um I, I and so there are a lot of really compelling characters in this. There aren't a ton of characters, but every one kind of has this really fun way of relating back to the story. And the ending was really uh entertaining for me because I love body horror. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like when what happens happened, I was like, "Oh my God, there was a, first of all, space freaks me out. I don't know if you listened to the episode of the podcast where I talked about how much space freaks me out, but space freaks me out. And then the the added like body horror of it. I was like, oh, this is really it. like my skin was crawling, which is in a strange way, a good reference to your story. I was going to say thank you. I'll take that compliment. <laughs> I did. I did pull. There's there's a moment. In the beginning, when the main character, when Tara is like, what's real? What isn't real? What's happening right now? That that moment actually came from um, uh, a real experience I had with a traumatic accident. Because I was so fascinated with the brain's ability to alter your reality to help you heal. That Mm. I experienced. So I took like that little tiny moment and like nothing else is relevant at all to my accident, but that little moment 
And then I was thinking about, you know, uh, horror in space. I was like, hmm, how can I make this really awful? And even at the end, when I was getting to the end, I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, I am. I am. We're going. You I do that as a writer. I cringe away from my my screen. I'm like, no. <laughs> yep, here it comes. Thank God you must be a good typist. <laughs> yeah, in a strange way, that also is relevant to your story in that your hands were like independently like, no, this is what's going to happen, Sarah. <laughs> We're not going to tell you how. <laughs> I won't say how. And you absolutely should, listeners, re- read uh, Sarah Lynn's story because it is phenomenal and it is featured in Unburied, a collection of queer dark fiction. Um, Sarah Lynn, before we let you go, uh, because I, I feel like we only just like touched. Skimmed the surface, we, yeah, we yeah. skimmed the surface on this. There are, there are so many things that we found to be uh, fascinating, not only about about your story, but about you, um, you are pagan, which yes, we I love. Am. Sam and I yes. are also pagan. Do you uh, do you describe yourself generally as pagan, or do you have uh, another specific label? Um, I I sometimes will tell people if there's a kind of pagan I am, whether or not it's animistic. Mm. Uh, okay. I believe things have spirit or spiritualist because not all pagans believe in ghosts, but I've had some experiences <laughs> and I do. Have and they come and really? talk to me sometimes. And if I'm not in public, I'll talk back maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious because we have talked a lot on the podcast about um, our experiences with the paranormal and mm-hmm. because we grew up in a haunted house. <laughs> <gasps> no, I used to wish, I used to hope my house was haunted. I tried so hard to make it haunted. <laughs> Might not have been a good thing. Yeah, I was going to say, you. it's one of those things where my husband will say to me all the time, he'll be like, oh, I wish we lived in a haunted house. I wish we lived in a haunted place. And I'm like, I'm like, the fuck you do? I was like, do you know how terrible it is when you have to pee at three o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, the bathroom is down the dark hall and there's no light switch near my door. Like, there's nothing worse. Um, so I'm curious about your your experiences with the paranormal. Is this something you've kind of had as a lifelong thing, or is this something? Yeah, when I was little, I'm you know 100 percent now. My very first imaginary friend was actually a ghost. Huh. She was the only one who I couldn't change her clothes or her hair or anything <laughs> about her. But I used to wake up in the morning. I thought everyone who said they had imaginary friends like really saw, saw them, them standing <laughs> next to them. And I learned as a kid what things made the grown-ups crazy and not to talk about. But mm. I used to wake up in the morning and she'd be sitting on the end of my bed waiting to play with me. Um, so it's not, I always say I'm sensitive. I'm not like clairvoyant or I can't mm-hmm. call them to me. <laughs> but if there's a, if I'm really open, I can walk into a space and tell you if there's anything else in there. Um, and I've found it very comforting. Other people get <laughs> freaked out by that, but I find it very comforting to hold on to the thought that um, there is more than we can see to the world. And it also affects how deeply I connect to nature with my paganism. There is more spirit in the woods than we can see. And I find it to be a comfort. I don't ever really feel alone. Yeah. I was going to say, it really speaks to the spiritualist uh, kind of philosophy that you it doesn't have to be scary. Not everything that you can't see or not everything that 
is quote unquote not supposed to be there is a bad thing, you know? Right. And, and there have been times where, you know, we've had some pretty bizarre paranormal experiences, but there have been other times where it's like, oh, if I'm walking, I, I can remember specifically times when I've been out in nature and there's this feeling that I don't think is unique to pagans. I think people who are not necessarily spiritualists experience this as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a connection to the world around you that you feel when you're in an environment like that. And I think some it it's just about your interpretation of it. Some people are, are lost in the beauty of it. Some people feel enveloped by it. And, and I think it's just kind of a beautiful way of maneuvering through the world. I love that exactly. about you. Whenever anybody says something about when they're having a stressful day and they go to the park and they sit in the park for a while and they feel better, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm talking about mm-hmm. right there. I just go a little deeper with it. I love that. And and even when people are like, oh, I need to relax. I'm going to go on vacation and get a house that's on the beach and sit by the ocean. It's like, oh, sitting by moving water. Obviously, yeah. the sound and the visual of it is calming, but there is also a spiritual uh, belief around uh, around running and moving water that it it the way it cleanses spiritually it's like again it comes back to how you interpret what you're experiencing and <clears throat> I I think both ways of of interpreting are valid exactly I don't think pagans have a unique watermark on that <laughs> at all we just we're not afraid to boogity boogity our speech up is how I put it you know we're not afraid to sound a little woo woo crystal light when we talk about it yeah (laughs) I actually had a question like the community I'm part of we believe in accessibility to to spirituality oh I love that I love that you said you have a question yeah I actually had a question for you just because it said in your bio that you do ancestor work and that's not something that I'm really familiar with would you mind explaining that a little bit yeah, it started, my dad's really big into our genealogy, and some of his older cousins were, and I uh, inherited that love from him. And so when I started studying paganism, I was like, so how can I apply that I know all of these generations of my ancestors to my spirituality? So I have a, I set up an ancestor altar. I have little, um, like, photo trees, and I put little pictures that we have of people who have passed on in them. And whenever I find myself in a, in a hard place, instead of like praying to God, like people go to church to pray, I actually pray to them. And I call on whatever strength they had and whatever um, troubles that they went through that they survived and overcame to draw on some of that to keep going through what I have to go through. When I was in the hospital, uh, I was on, I was on a, a nice drug cocktail uh, from the co- from the coma meds, Ooh, so people there are people who are like this is largely the medication. I'm like I don't care what you call it. Yeah, I saw my father's grandmother on the left side of me, his great grandfather at the foot of my bed, and someone from my mother's side of the family because she looked like my mom's mom, but with somebody else was on the left side of me, and the nurses would pass in and out of them while they were talking to me. And I was totally like, well, one of these things is not really happening. <laughs> but but I believe they both were really happening for me. And my ancestors, I think because of my connection and the work I do with them, they stood in that room with me and saw me through that. Um, so I, I always put when I'm pagan, I always stress in a pagan circle that uh, my style is heavily influenced by my ancestor work. 
And I also work with people on if you don't know your genealogy, you can still tap into that, you know, stream of energy that is your ancestral energy. You don't have to know names or dates. I love that approach to magic. I I, I really was moved by that first, I want to say. Um, and second, it's so interesting because that kind of sounds like the root of your story, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there, and, and without giving anything away, there are definitely elements of what you experienced that translate into the the story now knowing that. It's mm-hmm. so interesting to see that little seed in in the writing, and it really is uh, very clarifying for me. That's a that's a beautiful story. Excellent. I love that. Uh, I I'm very very excited for all of our listeners. I hope you will all go out and get Unburied, a collection of queer dark fiction. It is available now, if I'm not mistaken, yep. on amazon.com and uh you can go out and get it now and please 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 i am begging you read when the dust settles by sarah lynn eaton it is a phenomenal story thank you sarah so much for joining us today it was such a pleasure to get to meet you it was my pleasure too and you know anytime Well, we will certainly uh, listen. I love chatting with people about paranormal shit and about about pagan shit. So maybe we <laughs> will have to reach out again and have you back up on here. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Sarah. It was a joy. Oh, thank you both. Take care. She was so lovely. No, I had a really great time talking like, to her. Like what a she just like radiated goodness. I was like <laughs> I was like you and I would be friends, I think. You like I, Sarah, if you're listening, <laughs> this is an open invitation for you to to send me a friend request on Facebook. Uh although I wonder if she has a Facebook. She doesn't have a phone. So, well, a, I think a cell was, phone. Was that before we started recording when she said that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it was. I think it was in the conversation. Okay, uh, but she did. She did tell us um, she does not keep a cell phone, which is crazy to me. Uh, I, I, but I was like, I was so enamored by it. I was like, you know, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many days where I'm like, oh my god, I I just wish I could be a little more inaccessible. I wish I could just like tune things out a little bit and I, I'm really I'm really in awe of her ability to be able to step away from things like that. I wish that I could. Yeah, no, a I lot do of too. the time. I you know, if I didn't need social media for for work and you know the one nice thing about it is that, you know, we have our all our wonderful little spooky people out there. And Social media is a great way to keep in touch with them and to uh, announce things to them and to get content out to them. But so much of the rest of social media is so such toxic garbage. <laughs> um, there are days I just wish I could check out from that. And that was why I loved the conversation with her about spiritualism. Yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun to kind of hear someone else's practice like I always I always like hearing about other people's practice me too and hers was pretty unique I think compared to other people I've spoken to about it yeah no there was definitely like like I had never 
I had heard of ancestor work, but I'd never really found like a good description of it. Mm. But I thought she explained it beautifully. Like it was, it was very clear. She, she did explain it really well. And I, I, I just loved that. A, I, I love, I love the idea of, of paying tribute to your ancestors anyway, but then I usually save things like that for, for rights like Samhain. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's nice to think, you know, you don't have to wait for a moment like that to, to, to partake in that. And then on top of it, kind of her talking about her experience in nature and the spiritualism in nature. I felt such a kinship with her on that because I feel that way all the time. I wish to God I could just like move out into the woods and never see anybody again. (laughs) And, you know, that's something that does really mean a lot to me. I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder in 20 years, I wonder where I'll be in 20 years. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I guess that's, that's a thought that everybody has. I mean, I certainly, I'm worried about what I'm going to be, where I'm going to be in like two years. (laughs) But 20, I'm I'm just curious. Because I mean, worried is one thing. It's it's one thing to worry about where I'll be in in two years because I do the same thing. But I I wonder about myself if I will always want to be in the middle of the hustle and bustle. Because I'm, I'm young now. I'm I'm in my thirties. Actually, as of a few days from now, I will be thirty three, mm-hmm. which is two and a half years younger than some people. Yes, um, who are thirty five and a half, and. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think now it, it appeals to me to be in the middle of the hustle and bustle in some ways. I like being in the middle of everything and I like the craziness, but I see myself shifting. I see my, my motivation shifting. I see my desires changing my aesthetic, my beliefs about my life and mm-hmm. what's important to me. And I don't know. I could be a hermit. <laughs> One day you're going to come just visit go me. Just full on agoraphobic. Just <laughs> full on. You're going to come visit me in my little shack in the woods. I'm going to be Tom Bombadil. Oh, no. <laughs> and I will teach you about hemp and swords. And, <laughs> and you how can easy go it on, is to make soap. Yeah, and how easy it is to make soap. And you can go on your merry way. Okay. And, and just, and also, by the way, um, we were talking to Sarah before the interview started, and she brought up how mu- how much she loved the conversation about Tom Bombadil. And I was like, I was like, you know, maybe this really should be a full episode. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we we really really loved getting to chat with Sarah uh, about her her story. It, it really was when the dust settles was a great story, and. Um, I think you all would like it too. So you should definitely check it out in Unburied. And there's another story in Unburied that we were really lucky to get to be able to interview this next author. It was such a fun interview. (laughs) He was like kooky, crazy, and like totally in the best way. In the best way. I do not mean that (laughs) as as a detriment. I I mean like full on fun character, like theater. I think if he and I had gone to high school at the same time, we probably would have been best friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and and we definitely were kindred spirits. Uh, you know, you can hear it in this interview. I think you're all going to love it. Um, this is a really, really fun story. It is called The Other Boy, and it was written <laughs> by the one and only Laramie Dean. So go ahead and check it out here. Nice to meet you. Welcome to my spooky gay family. It's a joy to get to speak with you. <laughs> it's very um, nice to meet you guys. <laughs> <laughs> very unexpected considering the night we've had. Um, and it was so funny. We interviewed another author from Unburied named uh, Sarah Lynn Eaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if any of the authors have had a chance to chat with each other since uh, since the book was announced. But she was very, very sweet. Really, really lovely. And everything went so smoothly. And I, I made the mistake of looking at Sam and being like, you know what? This might be the shortest night of recording we've ever had. I was like, everything is going so smoothly. And sure enough, here we are. I'll, I'll, I'll still let you blame it on me, though, honestly. You can no, listen, you're a guest here. So we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt and just assume that it's stupid drag queens. Drag queens ruin everything. That's how we work. Um, Everything is your fault. I got it. Check. Check. Exactly. So if anyone asks, just tell them Pissy Miles ruined everything. (laughs) I feel like you should write a book and call it that. Pissy Miles ruins everything. You know what's funny? I've I've been working. This is totally unrelated to anything we're going to be talking about. But I've been working on a cabaret series called Pissy Ruins, and it's basically like I, I my gig is I'm I'm like a Jackie Beat or a Lady Bunny. I write song parodies, and so um, I'm working on a series where I take specific albums or shows. So the first one I'm doing is Pissy Ruins Judy at Carnegie Hall, and so. <laughs> I'm writing parodies of all the songs on the album and then I'm touring it as like a cabaret concert where I do all the songs in order, but I parody them. Um, And it's just called Pissy Ruins. Uh, And so that's what's that's what's next on the list. (laughs) And we're starting tonight with Pissy Ruins, her own damn podcast. That's what we're we're doing tonight. (laughs) Well, if you can't ruin your own damn podcast, whose podcast can you ruin? Exactly. Can I get a, you fucked this up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was going to say, we'll pause and come back in and introduce you, but I like this beginning conversation, so I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) Hello, hello, kids, and welcome back. Uh, We are, of course, here with our second guest today on our episode. We are here with the amazing Laramie Dean, who is a queer author from the Midwest. Am I mistaken? Northwest. Ish. North, Northwest. Northwest. You're like, don't get it twisted, Queen. I, <laughs> I, I lived in the Midwest. I lived in the Midwest. With, no, thank you. Sorry, Midwesterners out there. Sorry. Ooh. But you know what you've done. You know what you've done. <laughs> it's your fault. You're to blame. Um, and uh, we're very, very excited to have you here, Laramie. Laramie is, of course, the author of a short story from Unburied, a collection of queer dark fiction, and the story is entitled The Other Boy. The Other Boy. The Other Boy. (laughs) When you say it like that, it reminds me of from Arrested Development, Mother Boy. When when they're like, Mother Boy. 
welcome. So it already has a theme song. Oh, good. good. You're welcome. And I have a very reasonable royalty fee. You're welcome, Laramie. That's why I'm here. <laughs> How are you doing, Laramie? It's so nice to get to meet you. Good. It's nice to meet you, too. I'm nearing the end of our um, stupid school year. We've all been suffering through. I'm a theater teacher in Missoula, Montana. Mm. So it's been a year that we've all had yeah why what happened (laughs) (laughs) some people doing some things coughing on other people everybody's coughing i blame all of this on lady bunny are you are you not so sensitive to people coughing or sneezing or sniffling now it's 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 oh i am unbelievably and the worst is like i am a just generally a phlegmy person. And so it's awful because I'll be like in the middle of the grocery store and I'll have my mask on. I still wear it, even though the CDC said I don't have to. I still wear my mask and I'll be walking with my little shopping cart and I'll just like, I'll let out like a little, like a, like a, <clears throat> and, and I'll see like five people run away, just like <laughs> clear run away. Like, no, we are not doing this today. Vaccinate, bitch. <laughs> Jesus! I did. (laughs) Well, not you. The people running away. Exactly. They need to get their shit together. (laughs) Vaccinate, bitch. Well, my students were talking today about uh, whether we should wear, keep wearing masks or not. And one of them, he's 15. He was like, "I just don't want people to think I'm an asshole." And I was like, "That's fair." You're like, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> I look at people who wander around a mask and I'm like, yes, you are. Thank you for letting us know you're terrible. Thank you for letting us know. I know. And I have had so many experiences. It's, it's been such a bizarre experience because I perform in New York City. We live here in mm. New Jersey and I perform in New Jersey and New York and Connecticut and all over the fucking place. But this past like week slash week and a half, the bars are requiring proof of vaccination to get in and so they no longer have a mask mandate so people can just like come into the bar without masks as long as they show proof of vaccination and i was and i got to do a show the other day without a mask and i was like this feels like dirty. It feels, <laughs> it feels like my, taboo. My vaccination card is um, magnetized to my fridge right now. It's being held really? up with a. It's being held up with a Samantha uh, Elizabeth Montgomery magnet. Oh, <laughs> that's a dream genie. Is it? Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Which one's bewitched? Which one's bewitched? Yeah, uh, listen, I said I'm a parody queen, not a smart one. (laughs) Sometimes I just don't know what I'm parodying. Um, (laughs) They're blonde, blonde women from the 60s with with facial tics. (laughs) Facial tics. (laughs) You you know, that's a great point. Every leading lady in a 60s paranormal sitcom had a facial tic. Something wrong with her face. <laughs> Someone is I'm gonna get sued. I am gonna get sued. We're gonna be the ones to do it. Get ready. <laughs> I was a guest. <laughs> Laramie, it is so, so, so nice to meet you and thank you so much for joining us. Happy Pride, by the Happy way. Happy Pride. Pride. All the way from Montana. Happy Pride. There's like five of us. 
no. <laughs> How, is, is there a big pride celebration in Montana? Well, that's been the question before the court recently. There used to be. Um, and and uh, I don't know if COVID did something. COVID did something. Uh, I don't know. I follow a bunch of different uh, GLBTQIA plus accounts on Instagram and it's very confusing. So if you are from Montana and you're listening to this somehow, uh, I am sorry, you should be clearer with your instructions. <laughs> <laughs> you you have words for everyone tonight, Laramie Dean. I'm a bad, bad man, yes. <laughs> I'm a bad man. <laughs> See, every once in a while, they come out right. Um, <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I've never had the chance to go to Montana. Our sister, uh, our older sister, Jessica, much older, uh, <laughs> just visited Montana oh. uh, several months ago and really loved it. Said it was is she, absolutely Is she gorgeous. okay? Did she want to talk about it? <laughs> no, I love it here. I'm sorry. I love it here. I love it here. And, and I'm in Missoula, which is um, uh, this teeny tiny, well, it's a big city for us, but it's a teeny tiny little little blue dot in the vast redness that mm. is um, our state. But I'm Missoula's closer to Washington, um, Spokane. Seattle's like 500 miles away, so it's our closest. It's our closest really big uh, city. Where did your sister visit? Did she, did you, is there a place? I don't know exactly. They were doing mostly like a driving tour of the US during COVID. They were like, they were like, fuck this, we can't be stuck inside anymore. So they all like piled into the car Montana, and followed oh! basically they like drove across the country and went to like national parks, anywhere they could be like outside and away from people. Yeah. So they drove I'm not I'm not getting this wrong, right? They went to Montana. I believe they did, yes. They went to like Montana and like all the big national parks and did all that. And they loved it. They said it was great. But if I'm it's not beautiful. mistaken, in Montana, I'm pretty sure they got hit by, uh, like a space rock. What was it? There was I like I don't remember. There was like a meteorite that like fell out of the sky and like smashed their windshield, and they were like, "Yeah, that happens here." <laughs> that, that's we we have UFOs repeatedly. I, I have never heard that before. No, I, I really? cannot comment. On, no, no, I cannot comment on that. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining during this conversation we're chatting, and we're just gonna see the rock crash through your ceiling. <laughs> Please buy my book. <laughs> I need to fix my roof. <laughs> we have we, we have hail sometimes, but uh, it's it's maybe it was not... just hail and she was confused. <laughs> it's outer space hail, hail from space. See, I'm giving you a writing inspiration. Your next, your next book can be called Space Hail. God knows someone has to. <laughs> And speaking of your next book, um, let's get into a little conversation. We were very excited to get to read uh, this this book, Unburied. It was sent to us to kind of get like a, a pre-little... We call, I keep calling it a screener because I don't know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a booker. It was a, a booker. booker. It was a, a booker. booker. It was no, a that's not, that's not good either, no. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say it was? Seth? It's usually called an ARC, I believe. ARC? Advanced, Advanced Reader Copy? Reader copy? Ah, yes. Uh, thank God. Sam is also a writer and she oh, is absolutely not. lovely. Um... <laughs> Not that you can see me. I can see your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's one, one little shoulder. This shoulder is a writer. It's the only part. Of, this is my best angle, actually. This is, this is, this is my this good shoulder. side. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God we weren't switched seats. Um, 
and and we were we were very excited to get to read this book and your story definitely jumps out at anyone reading this book because it is such a it is such a dark story this is a very very dark story um it was very exciting because i was like oh my goodness there's a lot to pull apart here So I'm going to I'm going to come at you with just a bunch of questions and you feel free to answer them however Sweet. you want. Um, I, I'm assuming everyone who writes I, I write, she writes, you write. Everyone who writes it, it comes from somewhere. Was there something that motivated this story? Um I'm scared of faces outside the window. Um I read I started reading Stephen King when I was very, very young. He sent me an autographed book when I was seven uh, because I was an amazing seven-year-old. And I wrote to him and said, can I have this book? And he said, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I read Salem's Lot, which is vampires and, and scary little, if you've ever seen the 1979 TV movie, uh, oh, the, yeah. little, the little creepy floating dead boy out the window. So I'm, I'm afraid of, of faces outside the window. Um, and I, I, try to, I was trying to remember the inspiration for the story because I, I remember it was the end of summer and school was about to start. And I was like, ah, I think I had writer's block all summer long, which is frustrating because when you're a teacher and you're a theater teacher and everything is devoted to production, 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 uh, summer is like my only time that I can really sit down and have a regular routine. And I, I, I think mm. that... Um, I had suffered from writer's block all summer long and it was very near the end and this just occurred to me. Uh, it's very, um, a friend of mine read the, the 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 summary and she was like, oh, it sounds like Carmilla. You know, the, the lesbian, the lesbian <laughs> yeah. vampire story uh, by J.S. Lefanu. Uh, and, and it is, it's this idea that um, this stranger comes into your house and tries to take your life um, and it's repulsion, desire, repulsion, desire, uh, stab, stab, stab. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I was, I was really trying to think of where did the inspiration for this come from. Just in the, my, my, my fear of um, someone coming into your house and putting their hands in your mouth. I don't know. That freaked me out a lot. So naturally, I had to had to write it down. Um, you know, my husband and I were listening to your vampire episode uh, mm. uh, earlier, and, and this idea of. Uh, what makes a vampire attractive? Because the character in the story, I'm, I'm not going to give them a label and say that they're a vampire, but they're very vampire-y, S. vampire-esque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, this idea of the the sexual attraction, but at the same time, it's I mean, it's very rape fantasy too. Like this thing comes and and does things that you probably don't really want people to do to you in real life, but in a story, it seems to, or a legend, it seems to be um, tied into sexuality. And so this, I think the main character in the story is very, uh, wants this and is horrified of this at the same time. And I think that's what's really scary about vampirism is it presents itself as, anyway, now, I would say today, uh, is, is very sexual, but, um, you know, it's been used as a metaphor for disease and for alcoholism and addiction. And um, those elements are definitely present in the story as well. The, the main character uh, has addiction issues and alcohol issues and um, daddy issues. <laughs> I was going to say, because there, one of the ties that I found in the story is that, you know, it almost felt, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously you wrote it, it felt almost like the boy was 
a, a metaphor for the abuse of his father. It it almost felt like there was a tie in there in in that it was un, unusual the the relationship between what um the main character has with his father and kind of the relationship he has with this boy. It felt right. like there was well, and and I love the idea of horror as a metaphor. I think it works best as a, I mean that's what Buffy the Vampire Slayer did really successfully, right? Was mm. uh, take everyday horrible things and turn them into monsters. You sleep with your boyfriend for the first time, and he turns into a demon and tries to kill your friends. I think it's happened to <laughs> every one of us. Uh, and I, I I don't know if abuse is the right word. I don't feel like the character's father is. I, I would say maybe neglectful or this idea that. Um, uh, I mean, I grew up. I said in, in, in a. I grew up in a farm in northeastern Montana, which is very different than than Missoula. Uh, my class size was ten, and uh, the town was little. And uh, there's this, and I was a very. I mean, you can tell just by listening to my voice. Uh, I <laughs> I was a very. Uh, 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 what did I say in class the other day? Energetic little boy, flamboyant oh. is a word <laughs> word that I hate. But uh, everyone <laughs> didn't uh, knew that there was something about me that wasn't like everybody else. And I think, you know, a lot of gay people have, uh, gay men especially, have trouble or uh, issues with connecting with their fathers. And um, my dad is a, is a, is a cowboy, uh, Eastern mm. Montana, born and bred cowboy. Um, and I have felt my entire life that we often have a hard time communicating and, and, and connecting. And uh, he's very supportive of me and, and, and loves my husband. And... Uh, but definitely 1985 Eastern Montana, you know, nobody, nobody knew people like, like me. Uh, and so that worked its way into the story too. this feeling of otherness and, and um, uh, rebellion too. that as a, as a teenager, the character in the story definitely rebels against what he feels like his father stands for. So I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say it's a metaphor for abuse. I would say it's more of a metaphor for um, disconnection and, and mm. feeling like you can't, as a, as a young gay man that you are unable to uh, connect with your father in a meaningful way. I think that's what it's about. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I think if um, that may, helps make the ending make a little bit more sense. It does. It does actually, uh, I, I want to say clarify because it's not that it was unclear, but it yeah. does, it does offer a little bit of insight into the end of the story because the end of the story is very interesting to me. And I definitely, as a, uh, and, forgive the wording of this because I'm a beautiful woman, but um, <laughs> as a gay man myself, <laughs> I I know what it's like to have a strained relationship with your father or to feel that you're like, you're like two ships passing in the night. You can't quite, you othered. never quite hit the same Super stride. othered, yeah. 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 And, and no, and it's not for lack of trying, I think on either party's side. Mm -hmm. I, I think in many cases, um, queer people, want desperately to have a relationship with their families and uh, their families want in most cases, I would say to have a relationship with them, but it's sometimes strained, not even necessarily by, by ignorance or bigotry, but just by misunderstanding by not having a relatable uh, kind of like, like, like a lifeline. They yeah. don't have that thing. <clears throat> well, and so much has changed. I mean, I'm, um... 42. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> 40. 4 oh. 
I'm going to get sued by Betty Davis's family now, too. Um, or maybe uh, Lipsinka. <laughs> no! No, I'm sorry, Lipsinka. I love you, Lipsinka. Please don't come for me. Um, <laughs> I saw you in a movie called Witch Hunt when I was 15 and thought Oh, my you. God. I love Witch Hunt. And if you love Witch Hunt, you need to go watch, and I'm sure you've seen it before, but Girls Will Be Girls, the Varla Jean Merman and Coco no! Puro movie with Jack Potnick. Oh, no, 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 oh, I need to. It is streaming on Amazon Prime right oh. now. It is newly remastered. You need to go right watch back. it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. So growing up in the, I mean, I was, I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 1979. So I had the whole 80s as sort of this canvas to, of, and just in hindsight, it's really kind of interesting to see how much um, has has changed and how quickly it's changed, and, but how so many things are still the same. And I think this idea of um, not being able to connect with your family, your father, your mother, um, siblings uh, is still <laughs> very unfortunately very relevant <laughs> um, today. And, and in a lot of ways, Montana is um, particularly living in a, in a in a past. Mm -hmm living in a deep, 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 dark, um, Western mythos laden past. <laughs> did I just say mythos laden? I did. Mythos laden. Mythos laden. I went to my visit goodness. my, I went to visit my parents in Eastern Monday. It was 500 miles away. Um, oh and God. so much Trump. So still so much. And it's, it's just like, girl, it's over. <laughs> the credits it's roll. Like the Civil War, the South <laughs> lost. Oh my this God. Is this is going to be yelling. the new, con the Trump flag is going to be the new Confederate flag. It is. Flag. I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. It totally is. And it's, it's mm. disheartening to say the least. I, I, I went to a, um, a super dive bar with my parents because it's like the <laughs> only but and it's it's a, it's also a supper club so figure figure that oh, out oh i love that and i took them for their anniversary and there was a gentleman with a um NRA, nra t shirt and a trump 2024 hat <laughs> on and he was so polite to me he was like saying excuse me and like holding things for me and i was like you know i'm a big homo right like <laughs> you're getting that right but that's 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 this weird uh midwestern montana thing though too where people will be so polite to your face and it's just in the the advent of of social media that allows people to really and the hats obviously yeah <laughs> really yeah. reveal <laughs> reveal themselves so uh yeah it is it is definitely something i'm i'm my one of one of my Aesthetics. Can you have multiple aesthetics? I'm going to say yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah, sure. I do. One, of, one of my aesthetics is what I've been calling Eastern Montana Gothic. And this is definitely in that, um, in that, in that vein. Whenever I go home, I take lots of pictures of Eastern Montana, which is a lot of abandoned homesteads and, and farms and creepy dead things that lie around unattended that I like to photograph and put on my Instagram mm. <laughs> with the hashtag <laughs> Eastern Montana Gothic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. I might be Eastern the only Mon person writing in that. I'm writing about the Eastern Montana Gothic. That might just I was going to say Eastern Montana Gothic sounds more like like a student aesthetic, doesn't it? Like, like one of your students would definitely be an Eastern Montana goth. <laughs> Lots raccoon, raccoon, raccoon makeup. Eyes. She yes. looks just like a like a drag queen from New York from two thousand and five. Uh, <laughs> 
So Laramie, uh, you know, it's so interesting to get to hear you talk about the story because it it, it really is like, it is a crazy story. A lot of <laughs> shit happens in here uh, for, a, for a short story. I was like, wow, you really like, you, you got a lot in there. Um, and I'm curious, what scares you in your personal life? Because this is a very, I, I think when our listeners finally get to read this story, it, it really, it really like, it has a way of shaking you up because there's a lot of different kinds of horror in this story. I'm curious, what scares you? Dying. Death. Um, really? Is, yeah. Is the, is the ugly, ugly center of, of every horror story, I think, because we mm. don't know what happens after you die. Um, ghost stories, vampire stories, werewolf stories, they're all really about death and, and what happens. Um, and, and, you know, the, character's mother ends up having cancer and and there's this idea of parental death and the danger of of uh, ignoring your children and ignoring your parents and for me it's uh, my brother uh, passed away unexpectedly about three years ago um it was the first uh, oh, thank you um it's it was the first unexpected person who was close to me that died and it was really um uh, I want to say illuminating, but illuminating in like, oh man, uh, mortality. Uh, and so the more the more I think about my writing and, and what I'm afraid of, it usually revolves around dying and dying unexpectedly mm-hmm. and uncontrollably. Um, one of the <laughs> one of the downsides to marriage that I never considered until I got married was how you care so much for another person that that also includes fearing for their welfare. Um, when my husband goes on a trip by himself or when I go on a trip by myself or, uh, even when it snows, <laughs> if it snows and, <laughs> and the roads are shitty and, and I'm always like, text me when you get to work. Cause he leaves, he yeah. has to work at like six in the morning. And I'm always like, text me when you get to work. So I know you got there. And it's one of those things. Um, when I was a little kid, my mother was very much, um, all about my brother and I being independent. Like we would go to a store, the mall, and she'd be like, Hey, meet me back here in an hour or two hours, go do your thing. My dad was the opposite. He would be like, you stay right here. You don't go anywhere. You don't. And and it was so oppressive when I was a kid. And it took me years and years to realize that he just was afraid um, mm. that something would happen to us. And I get that now. And it's one of the reasons I never <laughs> want children. I mean, there's many. <laughs> My God, I would be that. I would be that dad. I would be that like too protective because I'd be afraid something would happen. So I think death, dying, a loved one, dying, me, dying, mm. everyone dying. That's that's what really scares me. I think, I think th- it's so interesting that you bring that up because I was having a conversation with a friend not that long ago about that very topic where I was like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not unreasonable. I fear for myself. But <laughs> there will be times when, when, like when my husband is sleeping, if I'm getting, I always go to bed after my husband because he works nine to five. I work five to nine. So um, I'll come home and I'll, I'll be getting ready for bed. And like, before I hop in bed, I'll just like put one hand over on his stomach to make just sure he's breathing. To see. Yep. And it's yep. like, 
why? Like, what What could possibly have happened that I should be worried? But it's like this bizarre... Devin is asleep. That could happen. <laughs> it's like Murderers. Sudden... Dead boys crawling in through the window. <laughs> exactly. Bonelessly. <laughs> Bonelessly. There's so, there's so many things. So, so yeah. Things. Well, and I have um, I've never slept well my entire life, and I have a lot of waking nightmares. And often it's me just making sure that and he's like, "I'm alive! I'm alive! I'm alive! Oh my god, I'm not dead." <laughs> Every night you crawl into bed, and he's like, "I'm still breathing. <laughs> I'm still here." Yeah. Ah, nah, damn it! Another lawsuit. We better stop singing songs. Didn't realize you married Elaine Stritch. Um, <laughs> well, who hasn't? <laughs> Certainly none of the homosexuals in Hollywood. Um, Before I let you go, um, you, sir, are a playwright. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You are a a pretty accomplished playwright as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I have. um, Here they are. I have some plays that I have. Oh, I love that. You've you've done some adaptations of classical horror, right? You've done Frankenstein and Dracula. 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 I love it. It's my baby. Um, I wrote my first adaptation of Dracula when I was um, seven or eight (laughs) and made my friends perform it, of course, because that was the kind of amazing child I was. Uh, And I... I'm really fortunate to be able to teach theater full time. Um, I teach at Hellgate High School, which is hilarious because nobody ever believes that that's the name of the high school. But it, it's <laughs> Hellgate. Yeah, we love it. Um, and how appropriate for <laughs> you. <laughs> and uh, I get to and it's a great program. Um, and I get to write. I get to write for the kids and they perform the shows. And uh, I met the the publishers of Theater Folk, which is a, a, a publishing house that is specifically designed for uh, educational theater, high schools, middle schools, and, and elementary schools. And I um, I get to write what I would like to direct and, and maybe uh, perform in if I was a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> and uh, I, I met Lindsay Price and, and um, at, at a theater convention, and I was like, oh, I have, I have some shows. And so I submitted, and they're lovely, 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 lovely. And so, yeah, they've published um, my play Frankenstein Among the Dead, Dracula, the Gorgon Sisters, which is about um, the... Medusa is dead and her sister Thino, because there's three Gorgon sisters, Mm -hmm. uh, sets out on a quest to bring her back from the dead. And then last spring, they published The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which has been real popular uh, since (laughs) since uh, quarantine is over um, uh, ish. Uh, it's been someone in Australia performed it recently, Canada, the UK. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to be global. <laughs> You're global. I'm global. Oh, that's what they wrote on the bathroom walls that one time. <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, I've been called global myself, but mostly because of the equator I call my belt. <laughs> <laughs> Many a time. Many a time. Yes, yes. So I am a yes, I am. I am a playwright, and I'm uh, doing a, a queer version of Little Women um, this fall that my students are super duper excited about. I have a lot of uh, queer and gay and trans students, and I wrote this with them 
specifically in mind. Uh, so we're doing that in the fall. They're really excited about that. Um, the name Lori is finally going to make sense. <laughs> and Joe, Joe, I, I didn't even change the dialogue. She's like, I'm the man of the house. And I was like, yes, Joe. Nailed yes, it. Yes, you are. <laughs> I wear the pants here. <laughs> and those pants are literal pants. <laughs> I love that. Now, uh, you have another book coming out, right? My first novel. Oh my god, it's 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 terrifying. Uh, yeah, I when the um, w- while the pandemic was raging in Montana, we're so weird. It didn't ever really feel <laughs> super real here. Uh, I, I Barnes and Noble opened up, and I zipped on in, uh, and they had redone the store, and they had a horror section. Finally, they hadn't had a horror section in in forever. And I found a book by uh, Scott Thomas called Kill Creek that I had seen on Amazon. It looked intriguing. And I was like, I want to read a book. I want to read a new book. I want <laughs> something to scare the hell out of me. And I, and I bought this. And um, it's published by Inkshares. And Inkshares' philosophy is uh, it's, it's like crowdfunding. If you can get – if you have a manuscript or you even have an idea and you can get 750 people to, to uh, commit to buying it, then they'll publish it. And my novel, uh, Black Forest, is coming out next fall. And I wrote it five or six years ago. The first first draft has changed significantly. And actually, it's some similar ideas um, related to The Other Boy in Unburied. Uh, but it's about a, a young man who is about to graduate from high school and go to college. And he sees dead people and demons mm. and, 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 and might practice witchcraft and might be having a mental breakdown <laughs> or maybe all of these things at once. Uh, and I, I put out a poll on my Facebook last year. It was like, I've got these three manuscripts. If you were going to pony up uh, 10 bucks, what would you like to see? And people overwhelmingly voted for Black Forest. So I spent all last summer campaigning and it was really hard. Actually, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> I finished, um, I finished a month early. They give you 90 days. And I started, I think today i think this is the anniversary of the day that i started and oh, i wow. went through my facebook and i emailed every single person i'd ever met people i hadn't talked ex-boyfriends i was like hi <laughs> uh, if we're still facebook friends that's gotta be meaningful uh my husband made a spreadsheet so we could know who i talked to who had reacted and people were actually um i have a, a really wonderful supportive uh community of people that i i, I love and who are willing to support me. And um, they, uh, yeah, I, I, I sold the the copies by August 4th. So in two months and uh, the ball started to roll and I have a wonderful editor and I've been revising and revising and revising and revising and revising. <laughs> uh, uh, but it'll be out. Um, it'll be out next year. And I, it's, it's been my dream um, even more than the play publishing and the short stories. It's been my dream to have a, a novel. That's just me. It's just, that's just me mm. with a cover That's so amazing. with a cover that I didn't make myself. <laughs> when, I, when I went home last week, my mom had this box. She's trying to clean out their uh, uh, attic and she had this box of stuff that I had forgotten. Like, uh, this, this, this little version of Heidi, Heidi of the mountains, Heidi with the goats, you know, <laughs> Heidi of their mountains. I had made this little like Heidi picture book when I was six or seven, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so I've been making I've been making my own book since I was little, and there's something really cool about um, 
not having to. <laughs> like <laughs> having cover artists and people to do it for you. That's so, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that'll Congratulations. Come out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting. Um, it's called Black Forest. It'll be out um, next fall. Thank you, Pandemic. Very cool. And if people <laughs> want to follow you to find to get more announcements about the novel or Unburied, Anything. where can they find you? Uh, I buy Laramie Dean on Instagram. Um, actually, everything is by Laramie Dean. I'm, I'm, I, I think I said I have a website. I'm still trying to get the website up. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everyone. Uh, B-Y-L-A-R-A-M-I-E-D-E-A-N. By Laramie Dean on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm a Twitter. <laughs> I wish you could see the face I'm making right now. Sorry, Twitter. <laughs> You're lovely, lovely, lovely people. Twitter is exhausting. Oh, I my God. I, I, uh, I'm 4,000 years old. I don't know how to... Uh, fucking Twitter. I feel uh, 4,000 oh years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the, the, the kids have their TikToks, and I don't have... I don't have the TikTok. <laughs> You're wearing your TikTok. Look at it. <laughs> I can see it. Right here. It's right here. Yeah, by and that's where you can find me. And if you want to follow me, I will. Mm, I shouldn't make promises, should I? Probably campaign promises. <laughs> I will. I will be very great grateful. I will be very grateful. I'm approaching a thousand followers on Instagram, which to me sounds like a lot. So I'm that is a lot. That is an accomplishment. Well, you I have like ninety two thousand. <laughs> well, I've I've. I've been working very hard and I have a wonderful husband who helps me uh, make shit happen. (laughs) But I I do appreciate you uh, stopping by to chat with us, Laramie. It was an absolute joy. And we'd love to to chat again. Let us know when Black Forest comes out. We'd love to have you back. That would be so lovely. And thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And and for um, persevering despite the the travails we endured trying to get me here. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it ended up being worth it just, so we'll take just it. the face part of me and the voice part of me i have to leave my <laughs> office <sighs> but thank well, you guys thank you thank you so much we appreciate you joining us and uh we hope that uh everyone goes out and gets a copy of unburied to read your story the other boy the other boy the, the other boy, other boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with lover boy. Lover boy, mother boy, so many boys so that are confusing. Many boys. <laughs> <laughs> right back to to Betty. All right, Laramie. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Was I lying? No. <laughs> no, you weren't. He is like the best kind of, like, easy to just like talk to and chat with and so silly. I loved it. His students must love him. Yeah, I would imagine I would have had a lot of fun with him as a teacher. I would have too. I, you know, he reminds me a lot of the teachers I enjoyed the most in high school. Uh, and I, I just had a great time chatting with him. His story was was really dark. <laughs> Yes, yes, it was. His story is really, really dark. The other boy, you know, if you guys get a chance to listen, or I'm sorry, to read this book, you will see it is a very, very dark story. Um, And there's a lot of layers to it. You know, even if it's unintentional, I do think it's fair to say that um, there is some, like... It's very easy to pull your own conclusions about the story from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot that you can take away and and you know, maybe I'm just a, a really bad critical reader, but the for me, 
I kind of came away with notes of all kinds of things. And and we got into that a bit with with Laramie. It was like the the idea of the relationship between the young man and his father and and everything that happens in the story. I hope we didn't give too much away. I know that we got into a lot of the details of the story yeah, in the interview. Yeah, we did get a little more detail um, on that one. What did you say? We did get a little more detail than that one. Definitely more so than we did with Sarah Lynn. But I, I don't think it ruined the story in any way. I think no. that you guys could definitely still read it and give it a shot and let us know what you think. I'm very interested to hear what everybody thinks of of the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's very interesting. I won't say that I enjoyed every story. I think it would be dishonest of me. But there were a bunch of stories that I really did enjoy. I think it's one of those fun things. It's not a coffee table book, but it's definitely an easy, like, pick up this book and pull to a random page and start reading yeah. kind of book. It's like you can you can try one story a night. You can put it down and come back to it. It's it's a very easy book to get into. And there's, like we've said so many times, there is such an eclectic assemblage of stories here <laughs> for you to pick from. So if you decide to go give it uh, a read, let us know because we'd love to hear what your thoughts on it were. Uh, am I missing anything? I don't think so. Huh. Well, I will say it was it was a lot of fun getting to chat with both of our authors today, and we thank them very, 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 very much. We're very appreciative to uh, Dark Ink Books for sending us a copy of Unburied, a collection of queer dark fiction. It is available right now on Amazon. And uh, what better way to start Pride than with something spooky? So exactly. happy Pride, everybody. Start with something spooky. Let us know what you're you're starting with. And uh, keep us posted. We will be back with another mini-sode this coming Monday. And spoiler alert, this Monday is my birthday. That is so, very true. <laughs> so um, feel free to reach out with any well wishes you may have. I will be paying attention for them. Uh, <laughs> and otherwise, we will be back on next Thursday with a brand new episode about another new piece of media that yeah. has recently entered the global market. Um, <laughs> we are going to be reviewing a movie that just came out recently. Yes. And I won't tell you exactly what it is. Going to a movie theater and everything. A movie theater and everything. I think we just said what it is. But um, <laughs> you can probably infer what we are doing next week. That said, if you have not seen it by next week, maybe wait until you've seen it to listen to the podcast because there will probably be spoilers. So... Uh, we are, I, I might as well just say it at this point because people should know if they want to yeah. be ready. We are going to see A Quiet Place 2 next week and we are going to be reviewing it on the podcast. So make sure you get your tickets, go out and watch the movie and uh, we'll be talking about it right here next Thursday. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from All About Eve, distributed by 20th Century Studios, 1950. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions.